from the creator economy to the end of Bretton Woods and the origins of the metaverse. This is the UAE Tech Podcast Web3 edition. Tune in for cutting edge interviews on how blockchain is reshaping cyberspace, finance and culture from here in Dubai and cities around the world. Data is maybe one of the most important reasons why VC capital likes recover so much. Exactly. Because actually, uh, we know about our customers more than Google knows. Yeah. Because we know that in that particular building, this is a family, they have two kids, uh, we know their phone numbers, they know orders, uh, what we can predict what age their children are, and so on and so far. And out of it, we can... Uh, create more, you know, customized offers for them. Uh, and I, I believe many new ideas how to use this data. Leo Dovbenko is CEO and co-founder of Yala Market and Yala Hub, an aggregator providing e-commerce fulfillment and warehousing services. What's different about Leo is that he began his journey training as a software engineer, but found his real passion working in bars and swish restaurants as a student at university. Pretty soon, he found he was working with big brands and managing larger locations. As so often on the UAE Tech Podcast, this is a story of taking a slightly different approach. By combining experience in the F&B industry with software design, development, and a clear enjoyment of business strategy, Leo found himself writing the coattails of a booming food tech industry. Tune in for a discussion on 15-minute delivery, the VC industry, the importance of data, and why quick commerce will be an increasing percentage of revenue for the high street going forwards. Today we're talking to Leo Dovbenko, CEO and co-founder of Yala Market and Yala Hub. Leo, thanks so much for joining us. So very quickly, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and also what is Yala Market and what is Yala Hub? How are the two related? Hi, everyone. Thank you for an opportunity to speak here. So my name is Leo. I am founder of Yala Market and Yala Hub, 30 years, years old entrepreneur. Actually, have built already several startups in food tech industry. So we started uh, with Yala Market idea one and a half years back in Dubai. Uh, the idea was to deliver groceries in a very fast way, 15 minutes or less. Uh, then we did several pivots, and uh, the final one, uh, we started uh, Yala Hub approach, which Yala Hub is aggregator of marketplaces, which helps any e-commerce business to enter this region without you know, having any capital expenses and to start deliveries quite fast. So it's like more, more into B2B2C B2B model of quick commerce which we have invented to answer on all, you know, current market market obstacles and environment. Interesting. The aggregator idea makes a lot of sense, particularly because of the kind of regulatory um, and other hurdles involved with, with entering foreign markets at times. So how about you? I know you're a, an entrepreneur and you're an investor as well. You have 15 years in, in food technology and retail, right? So could you tell us a little bit about you know, your early days, how you got interested in food technology and how you really found yourself in the space. 
uh, actually I started uh, as tech guy so uh, I was graduated from uh, one cool university and you know my profile was IT engineer of airplanes so that was wow. my first yeah. like theoretical profession but uh, the issue has happened I joined one uh, glamorous restaurant and then night bar as a barman and this, you know, turned around all my life dramatically because obviously it was much more interesting to spend, you know, all nights in nightclubs working as barman rather than studying uh, software engineering and all this stuff <laughs> in the university. Yeah, and actually, so my first job was waiter, then barman, then I became bar manager, then CEO of restaurants, then CEO of restaurant chain. And then uh, in 2007, I opened my first own restaurant, then second, then third. And in 2010, uh, I was thinking how to digitize my restaurant business to make it, you know, transparent because at that time we had five stores already and it was impossible to grow further because everything, you know, was as black box. And I implemented several IT systems, actually liked it more than managing restaurants. Then I offered these systems to my friends who were also restaurant owners and they, you know, paid me for this job and out of this i have created quite large group of companies 600 of employees uh, we are working with 20k restaurants right now total uh, yeah so we are providing different it for restaurants so that, that's how like my my journey merged food and tech together yeah i noticed i mean that's an amazing story it's really interesting how you know the the kind of different routes people find into entrepreneurship and we've featured so many of those stories on the ua tech podcast but i notice in definitely in addition to having fun at restaurants you've also helped scale the audience as well so uh, got you work with gecko to get 150,000 transactions a month you've been working with restaurant members to build up their memberships is running a web a restaurant a bit like running a website or a startup in that it's all about foot traffic and and membership or, or are there other things involved? Because obviously we always think about restaurants as a very physical business, a very human business, but it sounds like growing restaurant traffic, growing restaurant transactions can also be digitalized too. Uh, yeah, actually, so how I came to Dubai, I was scaling my IT business to Dubai. Uh, that was quite successful case, actually. We are company uh, player number two in the segment right now here. And once I came here, I understood that here in Dubai, in Emirates, restaurants, uh, you know, have sometimes half of the turnover fully from offline, from online. And this uh, was quite different from my homeland, where you know, ninety percent, ninety percent of sales are offline and only ten in online. So online, it is orders from websites and from di different ag food aggregators like Talabat, Zamata, Instashop, blah, 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 etc., etc. More than 10 platforms uh, operate here right now. And um, uh, if a restaurant receives so many orders through online, so uh, it must be automated. Because without this automation, uh, they need to hire additional person who just repunching orders from food delivery platforms to uh, internal POS system of any restaurant. And uh, one of my companies, one of the products automates this stream. So we help to make all these orders, you know, digitally without uh, people's interaction. 
And that actually helps for restaurants to serve faster, to do delivery faster, to have better ratings on aggregators and so on and so forth. It does sound like speed is important. So Yellow Market, um, we should probably mention, does have a pretty big success story. You've raised 12 million in Mena-based funds, uh, Wamda Capital, Dubai Angel Investors, Doha Tech Angels, Fly One Ventures, and others have been involved with you. Um, you know, how does it feel looking back on your early days when you first arrived in Dubai? Did you know this th was the direction that you wanted to go in? Uh, no, obviously. So I came to Dubai with IT business. So then once the IT business was established, I was thinking what to do next, what is the next big big thing. And at, at that time, uh, Superpass grocery delivery was, you know, at hyper hype. It was more famous than Bitcoin. So because in every country, you know, Pretty. many, many startups raised money and launched it, launched it. And as like I, my background was food and tech, we decided that we are the best team to start 15 minutes grocery delivery in Dubai. And yeah. actually, we were really the first one, the first company in this field. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, that makes we wanted sense. To, to, make, to make everything delivered in 15 minutes uh, in GCC countries, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about that, because, I mean, I remember when e-commerce was up and coming in the Middle East. I've was I was I've been in the Middle East for, for almost mm -hmm. over a decade, and I remember when e-commerce e was still kind of new. You know, we had it in, in the UK and US and Europe, and we were pretty used to it. But um, e-commerce had a boom in the Middle East, and now, in many ways, e-commerce in cities like Dubai is better than it is and, you know, the, the U.S. or other cities, particularly when it comes to, you know, ordering takeout or ordering food. And one of the reasons for that is speed. So, you know, ultra fast delivery. Um, and I know that that's always been important to you. Why do you think quick commerce as a service is important? Why do you think it's successful in Dubai? And why do you think this whole idea of, you know, being able to order on your app or the Internet and get food in less than an hour, but sometimes within 15 to 20 minutes. Why is that so important? Uh, people coming to Dubai to achieve something and they want to be focused on their life, on achievements, on tasks, on goals, and so on. And nobody wants, and actually nobody uh, has any time to think, to plan about food in advance. And actually, Yala Market, we are fixing the mistakes in food planning of very, very busy people, <laughs> because like you fail at spanning, uh, like lunchtime, you, you have only 50, like 20 minutes to have lunch. So Yala Market saves you and any other commerce service saves. So that's how it works. And, you know, obviously some people able to manage everything in advance, but in Dubai, most of people actually does not. So yeah, that's, that's why it's true. very important. That's true. And I know for me and a lot of my friends, I was actually pretty old school. So I'd order, you know, um, computer hardware or phones or stuff like that on e-commerce websites. It was only when COVID-19 hit that I started very often, you know, ordering my food on a food app or on a website, right? And that was takeout. But what about groceries? Because I know there's this big kind of move push to have 15-minute delivery on groceries. And, you know, one of the reasons I don't order my groceries on Yala Market is because I'm really particular about my orange or my apple, you know what I mean? Or my veg being being fresh. And I don't I worry if someone picks it for me, 
you know, it will arrive and it won't be fresh. So how do you guys get around that problem? What are your, what are the quality control systems that you have in place when, you know, you've got such little time to put the food together, get it on a bike and get it to the customer? Uh, we have many things to control it, but I think most important and most effective is that any speaker of Yala market can uh, throw any tomato away if he would not buy it for himself. And he uh, does not need to explain anything to his manager. So that's the idea we have implemented, and actually it works. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. So I know this space is growing. As you said, and quite rightly said, that you know Bitcoin is big and crypto is big, but e-commerce uh, and first-mile delivery is an absolutely massive market in the GCC and increasingly all over the world. Uh, what what's coming next though? I mean, it has been a very quick transition from the early days of e-commerce, you know, with with Souk and other companies into the kind of first mile delivery and uh, options we have today. Where is this quick commerce industry heading to? This on-demand delivery. What are the new technologies that we're going to see, and how is this going to get better? Right now, you can receive only food, actually, in less than one hour. Uh, but my vision yeah. is to make everything delivered, you know, super fast. Okay, maybe you don't need to receive your new iPhone in 15 minutes, but it anyway must be less than one hour, and obviously not three, four, five days, how it usually happens nowadays. So, yeah. And uh, we have yeah. already received proof because we started... Uh, PlayStations, uh, iPhones, iWatches, uh, MacBooks. Uh, we simply add, added it to our app, and we saw like how people can buy tomatoes, eggs, and new iPhone in one order and receive it in 15 minutes. So, yeah. like we believe that, I think in five years, I can bet you can get your new car in, in like in one hour, deliver it to your doorstep. That's pretty amazing. So there's no real capital constraints. You can buy, you know. Your groceries, or you can buy, you know, quite capital-intensive items using the same technology. Um, I have a question then, because what happens with, um, you know, having a distinction between your services and your your offering and others? So presumably, over the next few years, there'll be other apps and there'll be other marketplaces which can achieve speed. So how does Yala Market and Yala Hub really distinguish itself from the competition? Let's say if the competition also becomes fast, right? They realize, okay, mm -hmm. you know, to get market share, we have to become faster, right? So let's say in five, 10 years time, you have a couple of companies out there that can, can deliver your groceries or your food relatively fast. What then do you think becomes the things that consumers will look for in order to have, you know, a better service, a better product? Where are the areas that you really hope to compete in the future? So we have right now two business lines. One business line, it's Yellow Market. It is actually a retail, retail brand, but yeah. people can't visit our stores. That's the only one difference. So all the rest is all about retail and retail is detail. So it's everything about unique assortment. We have 150 SKUs of ready meals, which we produce by our own. We have self-imported tomatoes from Tashkent, and this, this is actually best tomatoes in the town. So that's how we differentiate our retail brand. But okay. at the same time, 
On retail level, we don't compete with any marketplaces. You can find right now yellow market inside marketplaces. So we use yeah. marketplace as sales channel and all marketplaces, uh, you know, they need good retailers and we are one of the good retailers. So that's how it works. So I don't see any issues with, so we need to do our product well, and then we can sell it directly and deliver directly, or, or we can work with through, throughout any marketplace. So on Yala Hub side, which is B2B business, where we help other brands enter main region, uh, so it is same. So we we are like let's say digital digital agency which helps brands to enter the market and then get listed to many marketplaces from one software from one window in one click. So in this case, we provide to population access to unique brands which they want to use it for day to day life, and marketplaces receives really good brands which people want to buy to so through marketplaces. So that's how it works. I don't see any competition. I see very good partnership uh, and uh, uh, citizens of GCC countries will will win out of this uh, partnership because they will have access to best products in the world. That's definitely true. I mean, you know, when you go on Yellow Market or other apps and you see, okay, you know, one of my really favorite brands is there and I can get what I usually get in the store much more quickly straight to my house. You know, that is that is a no-brainer. And it, it is a good point that the quality of the items, you know, the quality of a tomato, I don't know, or you know, I don't know why tomatoes are example today, but, you know, whatever it is, if you get that mm-hmm. and it arrives, you know, w- within a decent time and it is it is a good quality or it's an item you already like, that definitely, you know, is a massive advantage. On that note, I wanted to ask you about Q-commerce because, you know, we've done a couple of episodes on various types of e-commerce and we've done a lot on the e-commerce revolution we've even spoken to people mm-hmm. who were you know at the beginnings of it who were working before payment online in the middle east was even possible so we've had some really kind of you know back in the day conversations on where all this came from what is q-commerce why is it important why is there so much jargon in this space uh you know it's like early days of uber Okay. Uh, actually, we never had any issues with taxi. So you can call, you can get your taxi in three minutes, you will receive SMS once it arrives. So zero issues, very affordable price, uh, you know, fast access, and that's it. But then Uber came, and you can launch up, you can hire a taxi, you can see how it moves to you. Actually, fully same result, but it's much more convenient, and customers switch it very quickly to this new way and we see right now Kareem, Uber and many, many uh, analogs in any part of the world. Uh, but actually, uh, so the, I believe the importance is in just convenience. Simply e-commerce is more convenient than offline, than e-commerce. That's it. So all the rest is, uh, you know, just details. Do you think in future supermarkets might become a thing of the past or do you, do you think the supermarket isn't going anywhere? Uh, so we see main competence of any supermarket, uh, if it's like old company, if it's chain. Uh, so main competence is in creating assortment, importing, supply chain, creating white labels, private labels, and so on. So physical store, which is just one of the sales channel. Right now you can find any supermarket in Dubai on InstaShop, on Talabat, and so on. Yeah. So they already started to sell through online. 
So I believe in future all of them will exist. It will never, uh, they will never disappear from the streets, obviously. But part of the sales, and I believe it will be decent part of the sales, like 50-60% of revenue, will move to online. Either to their own website, either to their own mobile apps, either to aggregator. That's a big shift. And I noticed that sometimes it's actually easier to spot deals and discounts when you're doing online shopping than it is when you're doing physical shopping. Um, okay, couple more questions because there's a lot here actually. What about mm -hmm. data? So you're dealing with an awful amount of data. You're dealing, you're, you have a lot of insights into what kind of things people buy, when they buy them, and what kind of products are fashionable at certain times of year. How do you use that data uh, right now? And how are you hoping to use that data in future? So uh, actually, data is maybe one of the most important reasons why we see capital likes e-commerce so much. Exactly. Because actually, uh, we know about our customers more than Google knows. Yeah. Because we know that in that particular building, this is a family, they have two kids, uh, we know their phone numbers, their, you know, orders, uh, what we can predict what age their children are, and so on and so far. And out of it, we can uh, create more, you know, customized offers for them. Uh, and I, I believe many new ideas how to use this data will come, but right now, what exactly we do, uh, we have in our yellow market retail, uh, we have 7,000 SKUs right now, total in our assortment, but each dark store uh, stores maybe 4,000. And these 4,000 are different on each store. So uh, using data from orders history, we adapt assortment to particular families. And our intention and our goal is not to be you know, just supermarket who has X. We are service who serves particular family and we want actually them to send all their budget to us and we will be sure that our shelves has everything they need. So that's how we use data right now. And as we see, it actually works. So the, our share in customer's budget for groceries growing and growing. Wow, that's that's really... Um, interesting. In fact, we could almost do a separate episode just on data for kind of e-commerce yeah. uh, food apps um, because deep diving into that would be really fascinating. So you mentioned VC funding um, and obviously VCs are going to be interested in those, you know, very rich data pools, um, but also in food tech startups more generally because I guess everybody needs to eat. Um, what is your experience of VC funding in, in the UAE and GCC? I know e-commerce is a massive market. Uh, it has been in KSA and the UAE for some time. doesn't look like it's going to be changing anytime soon. But, you know, more specifically, I guess, how easy have you found it to approach VCs to attract VC funding? What are the pros and cons of VC funding as well? So uh, we have quite unique uh, method of fundraising. We have raised $12 million and we have 190 investors. Some of them are VC, some of them are syndicates. Uh, but so that's how we manage this uh, challenge. Because actually last year was very hard for raising money because during last year, maybe 40 companies all over the world in the e-commerce segment 
get down fully and mm-hmm. all investors are lost money you know and when you receive news every week that Gitir fired someone this company shut down mix fresh in china the republic released full shutdown air in pakistan shut down and blah 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 so in this environment very hard to raise money from you know from big vcs so that's why our targeted investors were angels syndicate and not so big vcs i can say uh so this is uh, how we uh, well, how we managed. But at the same time, I can say that we see environment in Emirates, especially in Dubai, is very open and friendly. So it was quite simple for us to reach and at least to talk to any VC who is interested in food tech industry as you know as as an approach. Yeah. So it was quite quite friendly and open, but. Uh, the issue with the uh, market, with environment, and with, you know, some... It's, you know, do you remember the work case? Once the work crashed, nobody invested in co-working. Yeah. Uh, maybe two or three years. But co-working is still good business. It's profitable, people need co-working and so on. But after crash, nobody wanted to invest too. So the same right now happens actually with e-commerce. Yeah, the, the WeWork example is always a good one. Um, and I think, you know, we we tried to do some episodes on on VCs in the past, uh, it's actually, uh, it's kind of a tough one to cover because you know, every VC firm is, is different, but what you've told us marries a lot with, you know, some of the other entrepreneurs based out of Dubai that we've spoken to who o- overall pretty positive. Um, so we're getting towards the end of our conversation today, but I wanted to ask you about the years ahead. So, what are your plans for expansion over the next five years? And what does expansion look like? Is it territorial and geographical? Is it kind of, you know, your data assets? Or is it, you know, the kind of food and products that you want to provide to your customers? So uh, we, so our vision is still the same. We want everything to be delivered at GCC in 15 minutes. So, but uh, for the next two years we will be more focused on b2b side of the business on yala hub because this approach was profitable from first month and this is very important currently in this recession environment so we will be more focused on yala hub we will uh, bring thousands of brands and we will scale them to emirates and ksa and uh, maybe after that if market will be in different condition we will continue expansion of yala market as, as delivery retail brand as well but all current plus, plus plans are dedicated to B2B approach. And we see right now very huge uh, interest from e-commerce businesses and e-commerce brands from all over the world. Because, for example, during this year, the CC is only one region in the world which is going to grow. Uh, all other countries are in the session, and because of that, many brands actually want to be here right now. And this is a good time for us because we are a platform who helps them to enter the region and scale without you know any capex investments and so on that's really uh, but any, any, anyway you know shorter or longer this way or that way in five years everything in gcc will be delivered in 15 minutes or less so that's what i believe in well that'd be great and i guess yeah speed speed and reach and as you say is an interesting time to be in the gcc um leo de benko thank you so much for your time on the ua tech podcast today Yeah, thank you very much. Sponsor information. 
The UIE Tech Podcast is distributed by Alboweba Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Alboweba Business, syndication distribution on Alboweba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Alboweba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.